it's important for us to have the gifts of the Spirit operating here uh, in our church. And I do believe that there are times where, in fact, I know I'm well aware there's times where that the Lord has intervened and has helped us uh, with those uh, matters. And, and I think that sometimes that we kind of have, um, I don't know if we've complicated them, uh, but we've maybe made them a little more um, of a mystery perhaps than what they should be. Um, but I believe that the Spirit-filled church, that we ought to um, be able to let the Spirit uh, guide and, and direct us. So let's start. I want to uh, start in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I've read this several times, but let's start back over again there in verse 4. The Bible says there, says there, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, and to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles. And to another the discerning of spirits. And to another divers kinds of tongues. And to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. And uh, so I want to, um, last time, uh, which was, was again was in the month of July, uh, we had talked about the last time, we had talked about the gift, uh, gifts of healing. And, uh, and I do believe there have been people here in this congregation that the Lord has has uh, physically healed in, in times past. And uh, I also know uh, of some situations where uh, that the Lord emotionally healed uh, somebody and, and they were physically sick, but because the Lord healed their mind, soul, spirit, if you want to say that, then there was, there was physical healing that followed that. And uh, I think that perhaps that, that one example uh, biblically that you can find of that is the lady uh, that the Lord healed. I believe it's in Luke chapter 18 where the, the Bible talks about that there was a spirit of infirmity uh, that was on her. It was a spirit, but it was expressed uh, in the sense that it had a crippling impact uh, on her body. And when the Lord touched her spirit, uh, then her physical body followed suit. And uh, so I want to uh, just kind of rehearse just a little bit. And uh, I uh, made uh, this, far as, this part as far as the nature of the gifts of healing. First of all, they're under God's control. Um, I, I think it's important for us to remember that. Uh, that, that I don't have the ability just to walk up and to heal somebody. Uh, 
If I did, uh, there wouldn't be anybody here sick in this, in this sanctuary. And I would pray that the Lord would touch and minister and heal uh, those that particular need. Because there are times where I have prayed and uh, you really just, uh, Lord, if, if I could do this, I, I, would, I would literally heal uh, this person. And then in John chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, and then verses 5 through 9, uh, the Bible talks about that there was a man that was there by the pool of Bethesda. The Lord came up and healed him. And then after that healing took place, you find out that the Lord said there's a reason for this healing. And the Bible said that the reason for that healing was for the sake of holiness. And so holiness uh, matters to the Lord. And, and the Lord healed that man. He got up and then again his life was to be given to that matter of holiness. And then there were other times where for various reasons people were not healed and uh, sometimes it was unbelief. Uh, sometimes it was not the will of God uh, for that person to have their healing. Uh, the Bible tells us about a man by the name of Epaphroditus uh, in Philippians chapter 2 and verses 25 through 30. talks about that they prayed for him and apparently he went through a uh, situation where he almost lost his life due to an illness. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 23. Timothy, uh, the Bible tells us that he had a sickness and uh, some of y'all took the ball, some of, not y'all, some of the folks was here that night. Uh, they took the ball and run with that because we're talked about take a little wine for your stomach's sake. Uh, they thought I was endorsing them to be able to go out, and I told them to be careful with that verse. And, uh, but Timothy had, had this problem. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 20 that there was Trophimus. Uh, that for whatever reason, again, the Lord did not uh, heal him. And then the Apostle Paul uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, beginning in verse 7, talked about a messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet him. And for whatever reason, the Lord, well, the Lord does give us a reason. He said, uh, for sufficient grace uh, that was to take place there, uh, in his life. So there are times whenever people uh, are not healed and, and you can really get caught up uh, if you start trying to figure out, uh, well, why didn't the Lord heal and why didn't this? The devil can take advantage of your mind and he will play us like yo-yos if we're not careful because what he wants to do is to interject that doubt and get that doubt in your mind. And before church here tonight, I uh, mentioned a phrase to somebody that the old Puritans used to use. And uh, they would talk about situations like this where that, that some, some sickness would settle in on a saint or some uh, horrific situation that, would, that they, there, there was seemingly no answer to that, that could not be uh, repaired or fixed. And, uh, and during that time, uh, the Puritans would use uh, this phrase that said that that was one of the severe mercies of God. Now, I know we don't like to entertain that thought. Uh, 
We don't like to think about mercy being severe. But there's times where that the Lord does not intervene and work. And yet later on, I do believe that we will see where that those things were beneficial uh, in those people's lives. And you say is sickness and 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 in somebody's body is you're saying that's beneficial for you for them. I, I can tell you that over the years, Brother Patterson and I both are aware of situations where that there was a bodily sickness that somebody had and that if they would have been healed, it would have been to their own detriment. And we don't like to consider that. We like to think, man, God's just going to give me uh, all that I ask and long for and hope for, but know this, that the gifts of healing are under uh, God's control. And then the second thing is the Spirit sovereignly distributes the gifts of healing uh, for uh, specific times. Uh, that there is that part that, that there's, in fact, why don't we turn over to Philippians chapter 2 and I want you to look with me in verse 25. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 25. Uh, the Bible uh, says there... Um, it said, Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have had sorrow upon sorrow. And so Paul there mentions that there was terrible despair that he faced, and yet uh, that gift of healing. I don't think that any of us would have thought that Paul did not have at times in his life the gift of healing. And for whatever reason, the Lord allowed that sickness to linger uh, there with Epaphroditus. Um, and then late in the ministry of, of the Apostle Paul, turn back with me uh, to the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 28, and look at verse 9. Acts chapter uh, 28 and verse 9. Uh, why don't we start in verse 8. The Bible says there, And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, others also which had diseases in the island came and were healed. So it seemed like that late in Paul's ministry, that despite the fact that Epaphroditus did not get healing immediately, it was a lingering part that these people, that they came to Paul and Paul laid his hands on them and prayed for them and the Bible uh, tells us that these people were immediately healed. And so the gifts of healing wherever and, and whenever they take place they come by the will of God and not by the will of man. Now I want to I tell you, you've heard me say this sometime before uh, you can get caught up in the trap of what I call performance religion and you can make a determination, well, I'm just going to pray a certain amount every day and I'm going to fast a certain amount 
and I'm just going to just by my own, uh, kind of like Jacob, just my own sheer will, I'm going to wrestle, wrestle the Lord down and I'm going to get him to do what he wants me to do. Be careful about venturing in to those cat into those areas because I'm going to tell you what, it can run you ragged if you get caught up in performance religion and trying to think, well, if I get good enough, then God's going to respond to that. Because here's what happens at the end of the day, then the next thing, if that situation does take place, then you're going to stand back and you're think, man, look what I did. This fasting, this praying, that, is, that does not relinquish us from the fact that, uh, that we do need to pray and we need to fast. But at the same time, it's not that we impose our will on God to sometimes give us what he doesn't want to give. Because last Wednesday night, you remember that scripture Brother Patterson read? I think it's in Psalm 106. The Bible says it's a scary verse. He gave them the desires of their heart, but he sent leanness to their soul. You remember that? So now let's transition uh, to the next one, and, uh, and that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10, and I want to uh, spend the next few minutes or so uh, on this matter of the working of miracles. However, before we move into that category, if you've got a pen in your hand right now, would you stand up? If you got a pen in your hand. All right. That's fine. Pencil, pen. Okay, y'all stay standing, Brother Champion. Could you do me a favor? I got something for y'all. And it's, it's not, it's not Butterfinger candy bars. I <laughs> pass one of those out there. Everybody standing. Everybody standing. Uh, I used to pass out Butterfinger candy bars when people were paying attention, but I just thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you a pen, and uh, you can mark your Bible up. So let's read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and uh, look there with me to verse 10. Uh, the Bible says there, to another, the working of miracles. Uh this gift goes beyond the matter of healing. It goes, it goes beyond uh, the matter of, of just physical healing. When we start talking about miracles, I hope I got enough of them, Brother Champion. Um, uh, when we talk about miracles, we're, we're not talking about the matter of, of, of a physical healing in, in somebody's body. Um, I had a, had a missionary uh, that he was, a, was involved in some medical uh, areas, and uh, this, is, this is what I consider miraculous. And they were, did I run out? Three short. Three short. All right, I'll round them up for y'all okay um, that's pretty good I, I, think I, I think I had uh, I don't remember how I think I ordered 25 of them 
uh, or 24 of them. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, uh, they got into a situation with their vehicle, and and their their truck just stopped out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, they got out and li- picked up, lifted up the hood, and got to tinkering around inside of it. And the guy that was there, one of the missionaries, realized that there was a bolt that had fallen out of the carburetor, the fuel pump, or something. And and they were like, I'm I'm in a I'm in a jam. What in the world are we gonna do to be able to get this vehicle up and going? And uh, so he said, tell you what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And uh, so they prayed. It was just two, two men. And uh, they, got, <laughs> they got there, and the, the guy said, uh, said, man, you're going to think I'm crazy. He said, why is that? He said, the Lord just told me to go around off the road and go over there and look behind this bush, and there's a, there's, there's a boat. It's over there. It's going to fit in this engine. And the guy just kind of said, okay. And he went over behind that bush and laying down behind that bush was a bolt that fit exactly into their vehicle. That was was miraculous. Okay? Now, let me bring you a little closer to home. Years ago, you remember Brother Craig Sully was driving a vehicle, and this was in, I think this was in Nigeria, and they started up, and there was a roadblock that they had blocked up for them, and they were afraid that they were going to be, uh, that they were, they were going to be worked over. And so they got them out of the vehicle, and uh, they, they thrashed them around pretty well and uh, got back in the vehicle, and they started off, and when they started taking off, they started hearing gunfire. And they could hear the bullets flying all around the vehicle. And one of those bullets, y'all remember this story? Hit, hit one of the tires. And, and they didn't know it, but they drove home, and then the next morning when they woke up, their tire was flat, and on the inside of that tire, there was that bullet, and they had to replace the tire. But that night, the Lord protected them because it could very well have meant that that tire went flat right then, and they could have come to a bad end in that. Those are things when you start thinking about miracles. All right? Uh, another one, and I read... Some, some of this in Brother Shalom's book. I hate it's out of print. Um, Brother Shalom was one of our missionaries to Pakistan, and uh, he told some, wrote about some stories in, uh, and that book's probably working on 50 years old now. And uh, he told that while they were missionaries over in India, that they had a Bible school there, and what they did was they tried to have... Uh, the, the tuition for the students did not have to pay very much money and, and to, to be in that Bible school. But because they didn't have much money, then they weren't able to buy food. And, and Brother Shalom wrote in that book, he said that there were a number of times 
where that he would gather the student body into the chapel. I don't know, 30, 40, 50 students. And they would get in the chapel and he would tell them, we're, we're out of rice. Rice was their, their main staple. And uh, he said that they would all get down and they would start praying. And, and, uh, and when you get to praying, he said that it wouldn't be too long, several hours later, maybe even the next day, that somebody would pull up and they would have a pickup truck and they would have large burlap bags of rice. And uh, I, I know most of us, well, I'll speak for myself, I won't speak for y'all, uh, but most of us, we, we've never had to pray that our next meal was going to be delivered to us. In, in fact, um, here's just, and this is just for me, for the prayer revival. I don't, I don't like to eat before I come in here and pray. Because if I come in here and I'm full, it just, it just kind of just, you know what I'm saying? You just kind of feel like you're not. And so I, now I do eat. Don't think I'm, I go home and eat after the prayer is over with, okay? But, but when you have sometimes a full stomach, it affects your ability to pray. And, and so when we think about these matters of miracles, the, these things are, you know, we think about somebody that man, they, it's a miracle that they were healed. Well, I want to isolate that. We look at it as a, as a miracle. But when the Lord heals somebody, it's distinctly different from that matter, I believe, because Paul makes two designations here. He says that there's gifts of healing, and then there is the working of miracles. And so whenever you look at that, healing is confined uh, to the body and in miracles encompass uh, the totality of, of creation. That there's times where that you know that God's miraculous hand was about you during that particular period of time. And I think probably all of us, uh, when you get to heaven, and I believe that the Lord's going to help us to look back on our lives and I think there's going to be distinct times where he's going to look back and he's going to show us that his miraculous hand, a lot of times, of protection was involved. Sister Brandy here six, eight months ago, when y'all, didn't y'all have a little excitement? And uh, that, that's a miracle. That, that's, that's miraculous. That's the Lord having his hand in the middle of that. And here's what the devil wants you to do, okay? He wants you to come in this church. Y'all whining and griping and complaining and upset. When there's times you just have to stir up your mind, you got to remember. I remember. I remember the Lord kept his hand on Sister Brindy. Remember the Lord kept his hand on various other situations and we could go around this sanctuary here tonight and yet you see what the enemy wants to do? He wants to get you filled in a place where that there's no gratitude that you have in your heart. You think, well, I don't have anything to worship. Oh, scratch around a little bit in your past and take a look and know that there were miraculous events that took place where that 
the Lord worked and intervened uh, in those situations. Now, let's kind of veer off into another area for, for just a few minutes, and that's this, is that in this matter of the working of miracles, not all miracles are from God. And there are times where that the devil is able to accomplish this very thing. I want you to turn back in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 7. And I want you to, let's look in this situation. It's a familiar story with you. But look back in, in Exodus chapter 7. And I want to start in verse 8. Here's what the Bible says. Exodus chapter 7 and verse 8. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle for you, then thou shalt say unto Aaron, Take thy rod, and cast it before Pharaoh, and it shall become a serpent. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. And then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Now are called the wise men and the sorcerers. Now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents, but Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. And he hardened Pharaoh's heart, that he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. That's a scary phrase there where it talks about that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Now you can look back and forth. I think there's about 20 times where that it talks about Pharaoh hardening his heart. There's times where that Pharaoh hardened his heart and then there's other times where that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And that's pretty concerning that you start thinking about that, that the Lord can harden the parts of people and that he can get us sometimes, not the Lord, but we can get ourselves into situations where that if we're not careful, uh, we can get cynical and uh, we can start looking at life crossways and uh, we can start thinking about things a little bit in the wrong direction and the next thing you know, your heart can become very hardened uh, toward the work and the power of God. Turn with me uh, to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, and I want you to look uh, in verse 9. Acts chapter 8 and verse 9. The Bible uh, says there, this again is a, a familiar reading, I'm sure, but the Bible says, but there was a certain man called Simon which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. Now look at that. Simon, the sorcerer, bewitched the people of Samaria. He performed sorceries 
which means that there were probably miracles, signs, and wonders that was accomplished by Simon. And people got caught up in that. And they thought that this man is very much a great uh, man of God. And uh, again, I, I, I think that perhaps sometimes in Western society, that's us, uh, that, that we, we, we kind of, we don't see things quite like that, but I have a, uh, what's Brother Royer? Uh, there's a, there's a, a man that visits uh, that area. He's from Ghana. And uh, there are times where that, that he has, has been there at the church there in, in Rio Linda and would walk in and would start picking up on spirits and picking up on witchcraft and picking up on things. And he said, you know, we had kind of been... We just kind of, well, they're just here. They're just, you know, whatever. He said, but because of this man uh, that was involved over there as a, as a missionary, that he could pick up on those spirits. How did that take place? I believe that people opened up gateways. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. Don't give him any room. The word there is topos. Don't give him any topography. Don't give him any geography. Don't let him have any kind of influence because subtly sometimes those things can get in and open us up to the working and yet because we live in a very advanced society, uh, we sometimes have the tendency to think that you know those things happen way off over yonder but they don't happen way off, off over yonder. They, they happen right up close to us. That's why that we need to be spiritually discerning. I want you to turn over a few pages, and I want you to look at Acts uh, chapter 13, and I want us to look at verse 6. The Bible says there, And when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elymas the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. And then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt not thou cease to pervert the ways of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. And then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Now, I want to just tell you this. We talk about well, we want to be apostolic. We we want to be we want to be apostolic. We want to be, you know, and when we say that, here's what we want. We want miracles, signs, wonders, healings. We want all the cool stuff. All right? But here just a few weeks ago, right on that pew right there, 
there was some folks that walked in here, and I'm just telling you right now, there was a demonic spirit that was on that person. Now, it was very obvious. If you had any kind of spiritual inclination, and it wasn't the Mullins or the Pierces, okay? <laughs> so y'all tell, tell Brother Pierce that, um, okay? But, but it would have been pretty obvious if you would have looked around. Now, I don't know if you, you kind of maybe kind of jogging your memory a little bit, but whenever I went back there and started interacting with this person, it's very obvious that they were involved with Hinduism and, and yoga and all this kind of stuff. And it was very clear that there was an oppressive spirit that was on that person. And here's what's going to happen. We're going to see more and more of that stuff taking place in our churches. That, that's why just what we've done Monday night, Tuesday night, and even here tonight. That's why prayer is important because if people can walk in here and feel comfortable now here's the thing you can't see what I see because when I'm preaching I can start feeling it and whenever I was a rookie I was so keen in on my notes I didn't pick up on all that but I'm just telling you and brother Patterson when I'm certain would tell you the same way that whenever things and spirits can move in to an apostolic congregation that there's got to be a sense of discernment. There's also got to be a sense of apostolic authority. And that authority, it doesn't belong to me. It's not my authority. It's God's authority. It's the authority of his word. And if you're ever here, and I'm preaching to the choir tonight, okay? If y'all are here and you see me start bearing down on something, don't resist it. Don't push back against me. You just start praying, God, help him. Because what I'm doing is I'm pushing against something that I don't want that spirit in this church. And it can manifest itself through people that walk in and what we've got to have is the power of the Holy Ghost to do the same thing that the Apostle Paul did. That he looked at this man. He said, now, that's not real politically correct, but he said, you full of subtility and mischief, you child of the devil, you enemy of righteousness, are you going to cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? Now, what if me or Brother Patterson would do that on a Sunday in here? Most of them, oh my goodness, what in the world's the matter with them? Boy, I tell you, they got up on the wrong side of the bed this morning. But I'm just telling you now, this is not like a church down the street. It is a spirit-filled church. And prayer is important. And I'm just going to tell you this. Holiness is important as well. And if you ever see people that struggle with guilt and they struggle with, I don't know where, I don't know where God, I don't know if I'm in or if I'm out, trust me. It's a commitment to holiness. And if you start digging into their lives, here's what you're going to find out. You're going to find out that their commitment to holiness and separation from the world is not what it needs to be. So here's what will happen. They'll constantly be in a state of their soul being in great conflict. I'm just going to drop that out there for you right now. And I believe that all of us ought to walk in places of spiritual authority. And I'm just going to say this and we'll move on. 
If you ever feel like you're just being torched with depression and discouragement and even despair, I'm telling you right now, that is a demonic spirit for the most part that you just have to say, you know what? I'm going to pray and push against that spirit that tries to get into my heart and into my life. All of us feel those times. You remember what, what the Bible says about David? He got into that place in 1 Samuel chapter 30. What does it say? It said he encouraged himself in the Lord. And there's times where that you, that's, that's why these little deals right here are so important. As you flip through them and you can look and you're, where you've written stuff down and you've got stuff that you can go back and look at it and say, this is an encouragement for me to be able to do. Now, I took a rabbit trail on that. Um, so, to a carnal or spiritually weak man, the power of the devil can often resemble the work of God. And... Uh, there's been a few times that Brother Patterson and, and, and myself, and then there's been a, another situation where I was with my dad, and all these have been years ago, uh, some years ago, and we would go and, and be working with folks and whatever, and we'd start talking, and next thing you know, man, they'd break out, and they'd have these spiritual experiences and all that, and you start running, you know what, that's not authentic. That's, that's not what, so what are you doing? This is what Brother Justin was preaching here a few weeks ago. First John chapter 4. We're testing the spirit. And there's something about that spirit. It didn't, it didn't sense. And then I got back in the car and get to talking to Brother Patterson. What, what was up with that? And he said, oh, it was nothing. Let's just ignore it and go on. And that's why that you've got to be careful that you've got to be discerning uh, in this matter. So, Whenever we've been exposed to miracles, there, there's a greater responsibility that comes into our lives. You say, now how do you know that? Well, back up to Matthew chapter 11, and I want you to look in verse 21. Uh, Matthew chapter 11 and verse 21. Here's what uh, the Bible says. And this is where that you start realizing, okay, if I have been exposed to the miraculous, then I have a greater responsibility in my life. The Bible says there in Matthew chapter 11, verse 21, Woe unto thee, Chorazon, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shalt be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Now what in the world was the Lord talking about? Chorazon, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. Where were those places at? They were up there near Nazareth. They were familiar with the actions and activities of the Lord. And if you've got a Thompson Chain Reference Bible, you know that in, in the back of that, it's got the Lord's life divided up. One of those little things is really neat. 
It talks about the year of popularity where the, the Lord went out. He was healing people. He was turning the water into wine. He was doing things in that first year that there was a lot of time that was there where those people saw those things. And yet, here's what the Bible said, that, that Nazareth, they, they didn't have much for Jesus. There was one place, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it said he healed just a, he healed just a few folks and then he just moved on. And here's what he was saying. Exposure to the miraculous elevates and heightens the responsibility that we have. And so for those of us that have been, been in this thing a long time, uh, remember what Luke chapter 12 and verse 48 says, to whom much is given, much is required. And I'm going to just tell you, the heritage that a lot of you have, you, your wagon is loaded, and so much has been invested into your life personally that it is important for us to say, Lord, you've given me so much and much is required because I'm because of what you give me. Is that does that does that make sense? It's like Lord, you've given me so much. So many things you put in my life. There are others here tonight. You could say the same thing. But you've been in this thing your whole life. The Lord has blessed you. The Lord has given you things. The Lord has exalted you. And don't, don't, don't take that lightly. Pray for people. You've got power. Lay your hands on people. Be an encouragement. Help people. Encourage people. Sometimes rebuke them. <laughs> that don't, that, that's not... You know, as people say, oh, he don't love me. Well, what, what they mean is he don't tolerate whatever, okay? Love and tolerate. Just because you won't tolerate something don't mean that you don't love people. Okay, I love my kids. I love my kids whenever, and y'all have heard this before, but I told my kids, I said, guys, if y'all get in that ditch out there by South Park, I said, I'm going to heat y'all up. I'm going to get you. If you get down in that, if I come out here in this yard and I see y'all down in that ditch, I'm, on, I'm coming to get y'all. And why was that? It's because I had seen so many times in the hospital. I will never forget a fella in Hartford. Year, this has been 30 years ago now that, that he was riding a bicycle and, and uh, he was right there on the edge of the road and the truck come by and caught him in the back of the head with that mirror that was extended out. And whenever we got him out of the ER and got him into SICU and got him all wired up, one of the things when you have a bad head injury is it can mess around with the temperature control in your brain. And when we got that guy, he got that guy settled in there. His temp, core body temp was 108. And I'm telling you, we got, we got buckets of, of ice water. We mixed alcohol in with the water. And we started, I mean, just had a cooling blanket. And I mean, we started just trying to get that guy's temperature down. And, and I, I'd seen stuff like that. 
and, and thankfully nothing like that ever happened, but, but I just told my kids, y'all better not be down there in that ditch. It didn't mean that I didn't love them. It just means that there's times that because you do love somebody, you're just not going to tolerate it. And yet our world has gotten them so mixed up. They think, well, if he don't tolerate or if she don't tolerate this, then she doesn't love me. No, here's the deal. is to whom much is given, much is required. And so do all you can. Write letters, write cards, call folks, uh, do all that kind of stuff. And then the Lord is able to, uh, to to help to help us, and uh, I run out of room in that one, and so I'm now picking up in in this next one. Now, uh, brother, and again, I just mentioned it a while ago, but brother Psalm in his book, I wish they'd reprint it. Uh, but he said that that the other challenge is this for us as Americans is that be careful that just because it's not happening here locally that we dismiss the fact and say, well, God, just don't, he's just not performing, he's just not working, he's just not whatever, okay? Because here's the thing. Our society in American Western society has gotten so advanced that we've got medicine and we got a number of sick people in the church right now. And... Uh, and again, I've worked in the hospital, so I'm like, yeah, go, go to the hospital. Uh, but years ago, 50, 60 years ago, 70 years ago, they, they didn't have the ability to get access to medicine. And they didn't, some of them were, were too poor to afford doctors. And so they had to pray. And so I do believe that, that sometimes that miracles of healing and acts of healing may not take place as frequently as because if we start having pain, man, we go to the hospital. And I do believe that those doctors and those folks there, I believe the Lord's using them, to, their, their knowledge, that they know how to, to do all that kind of stuff, that the Lord has given them the ability. But as our society advances, be careful that we don't completely depend on the humanistic or the human side that we think that God doesn't do that stuff anymore because the Lord does heal people. The Lord does take care of situations that, that in societies that, that are not as advanced as what ours is uh, today. And so, so uh, again, uh, now, uh, and the other thing I mentioned, the part about where that Brother Sean talked about that they would get large amounts of rice uh, but he also talked about the times where uh, that there would be financial gifts that would come in at the last minute. Here's something else that took place, and I'll tell this, and I've got five, about five minutes left, and I don't want to get into the, to the uh, revelation gifts. I'll pick up with a gift of prophecy next week. But Brother Psalm was talking about how that they needed a place to live and that they found this house, and it was a steal. And Brother Sean was like, why, why is this place so cheap to rent out? Well, they wouldn't tell him. And so finally he thought, well, this is a blessing of the Lord. And so they moved into that house. And then they started having demonic manifestations in the house. And that was why that nobody wanted to live there. And so Brother Sean said, you know what? 
we're fixing to clean this house. And I don't know if you remember that sermon I preached several months ago, the dilemma of fretting leprosy. Uh, but they did. They got in there and they started praying. And the next thing you know, they cast those spirits that were out of that house and they got that house. It was amazing. It paid like $25 a month and they had signed like a four or five year lease because of the superstition that those people over in, in, in India had and Brother Shalom and Sister Shalom just got in there with their kids and they said, you know what? God's blessed us with this and we're going to pray and the Lord's going to clean this place out. Okay, now, I don't know how many, this is veering off, oh my goodness, but I believe this stuff, is that whenever you move into a new house, and if it's a brand new house, I don't think you have a lot to get concerned about. But if you move in a place where somebody's lived there for any length of time, I'm just going to tell you what, it behooves you to fill that place up with Christian music, fill that place up with prayer, get your bottle of oil and walk through that place and pray and let the Lord take care of that of that place, that, that house. Because I'm going to just tell you this. Your, your house needs to be, your house needs to be a little bit of heaven. And if your house is all the time the other place, I, I'd, I'd say, hey, we got to, we got to, we got to get this thing turned around. And if it's filled up with yelling and screaming and carrying on and, and, uh, and you got that big old gate and those people are talking and carrying on and saying all those words and you got all this stuff coming into your house, sometimes it's no wonder that there's oppressive spirits that get into our homes because most of us wouldn't talk like that, okay? But we'll let somebody else talk like that. And that's why entertainment choices these days that they are so crucial. So, let's stand. And uh, I appreciate the spirit of prayer that we had here tonight. I, I know I, me, me and Brother Patterson always real loud when we're praying. And uh, But I appreciate everybody coming and praying here tonight. I pray for Brother Walters. His dad passed away. And uh, yeah, if you, any of you men want to come up here, let's just pray for him uh, that the Lord would, would touch and 